0: Welcome, everyone, to a new, brand new podcast off the Multimedia Men Network. Um, This show is called My Bloody Podcast, and it's so scary (laughs) and so much fun. I'm so happy to be here with you. This show's going to be all about horror in so many ways. I'm Brian Kluger, and I'm my my co-host, the the love of my life, my other amigo, the, the man who is omnipotent for all of us, Mister Preston Barta. How are you?
1: Good, I'm good. Thank you for that. That was great.
0: Oh, you're welcome. I'm so glad. We, you and I, have done podcasts before and shows before, and we just. I think we just. We, I think we have good rapport that we just never did our own show until now. Why is that?
1: I I don't know, especially when you and I go off on these little tangents. That uh, Matt Mungle, the other show that we did, he would just be like, "What what, guys? You need to you need to talk about like some more mainstream films." Uh, <laughs> we're and we're over here talking about Bruce Campbell stuff and whatever else
0: because because we love it, we love it so much. Um, and Preston has been around the movie scene for quite a while um, to give these listeners what you do what 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 do you do in the world of film what what do you, what, you into?
1: um i am the features editor at fresh fiction tv and i write as a film critic for the did record chronicle newspaper and so i do weekly movie reviews. I used to do more, but now that I have an eight-month-old child, I'm sticking to the one movie a week, and I do a lot, a lot of home video release like reviews and been getting more into the horror stuff, reviewing that, even though that's been a big part of my life ever since I was a kid, but I don't know if my audiences are loving it as much as I am.
0: Well, you know, I, I wanted to ask you that because I've known you, I think, probably since 2011. So almost like six, seven years now, um, mm-hmm. more than that. And just recently, within the past like year or so, it seems like you've really gotten into and you've really, uh, you, you've just sort of fell in love with the horror genre and discovering these old horror films. What really got you into that? Please say it was me and the Greasy Strangler.
1: <laughs> uh, you you were definitely a big contributor in that. Um, I don't know. I guess it was well when I was a kid, I was the kind of kid that would go to the local video store and just go to the horror section, and I would check out the video. And I had two TVs in my room, so I had a 19-inch TV that I bought from Kmart, and then I had like a little TV that had a built-in VCR. So I would hook them up to one another and I would play Boogeyman or Candyman or Nightmare on Elm Street, anything on one and then record on the other. And then I would just box them into these nice little cases that I would get from the video store as well. And and I just kind of drifted off or drifted away from it for a little bit. And then after kind of getting into a lot of these Scream Factory reviews, uh, I just exploded I, I think I started with Mad Max, which is not necessarily a horror film, but it started my love of collecting Screen Factory films. And since then, I've branched off into Arrow and MVD Visual and Warner Archive, and just really diving deep. All these movies that I would wouldn't otherwise watch, but I have you to thank for a lot of these more obscure recommendations.
0: I'm I, I you know, I'm so happy to hear that, and I just I I'm very glad you're really into it because I love Scream Factory and what they do. So Scream Factory for you go uh, for you listeners for our lovely bloody listeners, um, they are a part of shout factory that releases home video but screen factory releases basically horror and they're Mm -hmm. kind of like the criterion-esque of horror films yeah um because they do like remasters and tons of extras of these old forgotten like 70s and 80s horror films that otherwise you wouldn't really see
1: yeah they do a lot of the big ones, like they do Child's Play and Carrie, but most of the ones that, uh, are the ones that I have the most fun because those are the more obvious ones. Yeah, are the are, are the ones that I like. Full Moon High came out just recently through Scream Factory, and it came out before Teen Wolf, and it looks like it was shot on a used car budget. Yeah. And, yep. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to watch all these films that I I just, I've never seen or even heard of before, but I'm just enjoying it's like really broadening my horizons. And like, whenever I first started with scream factory, I was going for like some of these ones I knew the director, but, and then uh, since I'm watching these films that I didn't see before, it's causing me to go down even more uh, eccentric avenues.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is, uh, I, I'm glad you're there and I'm glad you're here to stay for at least a while And I believe, like, you know, Press and I always text, we always talk And we always talk about, like, these horror movies and fun movies that we love That really nobody else gets but us two, really And us, mm-hmm. we were just like, we need to do a podcast, we need to talk about this Get this love out there for everyone, you know, because yeah. these movies need to be seen So I'm very happy to be with you On this podcast, which I hope lasts at least 500,000 episodes. (laughs) At least. At least, at least. Um, But yeah, so in this podcast, uh, my bloody podcast, my bloody podcast, uh, we're going to talk about like horror news coming up. We're going to tell you about some really cool – Old school films that you might need to suggest uh, Which we're going to call My bloody recommendations We're going to discuss feature films that are out now Soundtracks and talk in depth About one particular horror movie Each week, each episode um, So I'm very excited But uh, Preston, going into the news section Is there anything you want to start off This My bloody podcast episode one with? Uh, uh,
1: I I'd like to start it off with the Friday the 13th documentary that uh, really perked up my ears because I'm a huge fan of the Friday the 13th films. And just recently they put out the eight film collection since those are the films that actually have Friday the 13th in the title. And then you have Jason goes to hell, Jason X, Freddy versus Jason, which aren't necessarily a part of them, but are. Right, and um, they—if you have Shutter—they uh, released the Crystal Lake. Is it, is it the Crystal Lake Memories, right?
0: Yes, which is very similar to the Nightmare on Elm Street one called, I think. Uh, Why was it not? It's not while you're sleeping. It's um, it's something similar that covers like a documentary that spans all of these films.
1: Yeah, it's it's crazy, like. I never envisioned myself. Well, I got into watching the documentaries because of my friend who also writes for Press Fiction TV. His name's James Cole Clay. He was telling me about it, that it was available on Shutter, And then we were just both amazed that we were just able to give eight hours plus hours of our life to just sit down and watch all these documentaries. And uh, so they're putting out a new one, and I guess as Hollywood likes to do, there's more stories to tell about a particular film or subject. And so here we are with another documentary that's supposedly going to provide more insight into the making
0: of of Friday the Thirteenth. And I, is it, is yeah. it, um, I, so the the documentary is called Friday the Thirteenth. Part 3, the Memor- the Memoriam documentary, um, which will pay tribute to the late Richard Brooker, who played Jason Voorhees in the third installment. Is this correct? Yes. Okay, so this is really cool. Um, and supposedly um, the uh, – well, when, when, when is it going to be released or –
1: i haven't been able to find the actual release date i I read through the press release and or, or maybe i don't think did you see anything all I saw was like a really cool poster
0: yeah, the poster's like super cool um I'm really really into this uh this doc i'm really into like getting to know like what happened on these movies because you know, this past Halloween, Press and I went back and watched all of the Friday 13 13th, like you said earlier, and uh, it's really cool to see how they all got made and, like, where they might have ended, but then the success of them took them to further films and just to see kind of how it all worked. Um, but I can't wait for this. Like, uh, this could be one – Like, I wish they would show this at, like, a movie festival or something, so – no, it could like a yeah. lot of lots of people will get to be a part of it. Um But yes, yes, very, very excited about this. Um do you does, does this make you want to watch any of the uh older documentaries that have been out for Friday the thirteenth? Like uh,
1: Yeah, I would like to. Um especially since I, I I've I don't think I've ever seen Jason goes to hell and so i'm trying to branch out even further and so like anything i just like to fantasize about these movies and try to fill in the gaps because a lot of these films just don't make a lot of sense and so i just like to just kind of get lost in that universe and just see how like people just really put their heart and everything that they have into making these films even if the Even if it doesn't end up very well, um, I mean, it's a good thing about, like, most of these films. Like, even if they they aren't necessarily a hit, you watch these behind-the-scenes or these documentaries about them. It kind of makes you feel – it's kind of like watching The Disaster Artist. Like, you you love that movie even – you love Room even more after watching, like, how much – these guys, all the filmmakers put into making all these films, it, it causes you to respect the work even more.
0: Right, right. And I have to say that since there's so many Friday the 13th documentaries, we I got the title wrong just a second ago. The actual title for the documentary is called The Dark Heart of Jason Voorhees, The Making of the Final Friday, um, uh. which uh, is... which is to say that like this is going to be the making of that particular film um and like like Preston said the poster is like really cool for it um
1: it looks like the guy that does the Star Wars posters made it
0: yes yes which is if you think about that really crazy <laughs> yeah. and it makes me want this poster to hang on the wall but yes uh yeah. it's called the dark heart of jason Voorhees: the making of the final friday um and it is produced by the jason goes to hell director adam marcus so and i think i think it's gonna be pretty cool um and you know when we both see it we'll come back to this my bloody podcast and talk about it with you mm-hmm. um in other news uh Supposedly, well, we all know not supposedly. Hollywood just hell bent on making pets or not um, well, pet cemetery again, but remakes. But they're remaking pet cemetery, and I I don't <laughs> understand why. Um, I well, I do understand why because it made five hundred billion dollars, so they're going to remake every Stephen King movie now. Um, so. I guess they're remaking Pet Cemetery now, and it is slated to, uh, I guess, start filming this year. Or actually, no, it's about slated to film this year. Come out next year in April, and it mm-hmm. looks like Jason Clark, the actor, is set to star in the film. Um, so, I don't know. What do you think about this remake? Do you think we need it? Because I think the original Pet Cemetery was quite effective.
1: I lo- I love the original, and I just it just seems though all these other Stephen King adaptations coming out they might as well correct quotes correct uh, what they think went wrong or at least trying to keep that fire lit. But I am not excited at all about Jason Clark, and <laughs> I'm. I am not a fan of that guy at all. You know that part in Step Brothers where he's like, you know, I just look at his face and I just want to punch it. It's just, I just, I've never been much of a fan of him. I like him in, uh, he was in, uh, what was it, Uh, History of Violence, but he was only in it for like a few seconds or a few minutes and then that's fine. That's as much as I like to have him. I didn't really care for him and. Donna, the Planet of the Apes, I, or Terminator. I felt like he, he's kind of like Jai Courtney. He just kind of ruins things for me.
0: <laughs> he said it best. Um, yes, he is. Uh, Jason Clark also was in the TV series Brotherhood, um, and he's been in like he was in Zero Dark Thirty, and Mudbound, and uh, recently Winchester and Um You probably don't immediately put the face to the name jason clark but once you see him you'll agree with Preston. yes punch to the face um i
1: i mean i give him props for looking like an everyday man but i just feel like hollywood's trying to push him to be this big a-lister star that he's not at all
0: and why do you think that is
1: i i don't know i don't know why like they're pushing scott eastwood to be a big star and i just don't think he's another franchise ruiner
0: Yeah, so I wonder if like they owe each other favors or they just come from people. But uh, I guess Jason Clark is set to play um, Lewis Creed uh, from the original film, who was originally played by Dale Midkiff. uh, Like, is the main role. So we'll see, Jason Clark. I don't know. Maybe he's the next Patrick Wilson. I don't know.
1: (laughs) I don't. I don't mind Patrick Wilson so much, but uh, yeah. eh. i'll I'll see it but out of curiosity but
0: yeah so i guess we'll figure out who else is coming to this new remake adaptation um but yes jason clark we're not happy we wish it was kevin hart (laughs) (laughs) oh man it would be a completely different movie i think (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean I was I wasn't the biggest fan of Kevin Hart, but after watching the new jumanji I was just like, okay, okay, I see why guys like this guy. <laughs> He's
0: just ridiculous and fun. Um yeah. all right, so that that's some uh some pet cemetery news. And other news, um if you were a fan of the vampire diaries, the actor Ian somerhalder Is that my saying that right? Is it Ian or Ian? I never know. Ian. Ian Ian Somerhalder Is coming back to the vampire genre. Um, Netflix. Netflix has given him a 10-episode order of a new TV series called V-Wars, which is based off of Jonathan Mayberry's best-selling book. Um, where Summerhalder is set to star and actually direct the, at least the first hour-long horror series. Um about vampires, about chronicling the first vampire war ever. So, I mean, I've watched Vampire Diaries, not by choice, but, you know, sometimes in our industry we get paid to write articles and reviews so yes i did review several seasons of vampire diaries <laughs> um and i like ian Somerhalder. i loved him in like the roles of attraction and lost and everything but uh i don't know if we need like a period piece vampire thing with him i don't know
1: mm. what See, do have never i've never watched vampire diaries i'm not I'm not super familiar with this guy's work other than some of the stuff that you listed, but he reminds me of a young Rob Lowe.
0: Yes, very much. So, um,
1: yeah, I, I don't know. I'm so iffy with Netflix. I mean, they announced that this year alone, they're making 700, releasing 750 projects, which is just absolutely, absolutely ridiculous to me. So I just can't see how they're going to pay, you know, that close attention to make sure that, this comes out well. I just, there's too, there's too much stuff out there about vampires. And like you said, I just don't know how a period vampire piece will really click, uh, with like adding something more to the conversation.
0: Yeah, no, I I I get that. And I was like, do we need more vampire stuff? You know, we had that really cool short animated series on Netflix of Castlevania, which I actually really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm not, I don't want to. I'm going into this V Wars. Oh, uh, Virgin Wars. Like there's so many things that could do with this. Um, <laughs> but Vampire Wars called V Wars. I. I just think that's. A, is that a good title? <laughs> mm, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do with this. Um, it could be
1: darker. So what's the tone? Does it say anything about the tone of the show? Is it going to be like darker or is it going to be campy or anything?
0: Well, I, I do, it doesn't say. It says in the series Summerholder will star as Dr. Luke. Doctor Luther Swan who enters a world of untold horror when a mysterious disease transforms his best friend into a murderous predator who feeds on other humans. As the disease spreads and more people are transformed, society fractures into opposing camps, pitting normal people against growing number of these vampires.
1: Mm. So well, I guess it could go either way.
0: So, yes, technically in the first Vampire War, this could either be, like, way long ago or it could actually be kind of in the future where we see kind of a oh um, daybreakers type of thing happen. hmm So, but if Ian Somerhalder is the big action star here, when you see him, you just don't think, like, because he does look like a young, skinny Rob Lowe and you just don't see Robo as like an Arnold Schwarzenegger type figure. No. So we'll see how it uh how it stacks up. But called V-Wars, we'll see how that goes. Um mm. yeah, I'm interested, but we'll see how, we'll yeah, like we'll said. We'll see V-Wars. We'll stay tuned Netflix. All right. And the last bit of news, uh, because this movie is a big part of our first episode, there is news about it. Because 30 years ago, we were um, introduced to a movie called Killer Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And I guess for our Los Angeles and California listeners... Um, They are going to celebrate it there in a really, really big way Um, for the first time ever. You'll be able to experience the Killer Clowns with a live orchestral score conducted by the original guy who did the score, John Massari. Um, In addition to that, they are going to release – or Verez Saraban is going to release a new soundtrack featuring the Killer Clowns from Outer Space – Uh, which will be available on may 25th only in cd form unfortunately not on vinyl yet um where i guess the members of the hollywood chamber orchestra will uh play the original score along with some new orchestrations from the film and even the dickies recorded a brand new version of the theme song from the film so with that being said preston are you excited for this
1: I am excited. I watched the snippet of the remastered version to kind of see what it sounds like, and it's very heavy on like the distorted guitar. Sounds really good. I didn't. I, I'm very anxious to see what the Dickies' uh, updated theme song sounds like because I I think that's part of why I love the theme song so much is just because it's a it's an '80s horror movie. That has a very much a eighties sounding soundtrack. And so I love their their young voices, this punk kind of feel. And I don't know what it's gonna sound like, a bunch of aged dudes singing uh that song that I love. So I'm curious.
0: Yeah, I'm curious too. I am uh I I can't imagine the Dickies really being alive anymore. <laughs> But they <laughs> redid their the, version.
1: <laughs> yeah, that their ship sailed.
0: It really did. Um So yeah, I'm uh, I, I'm excited for that. But the but yeah, for you killer clowns from Outer space fan, it's a really big year. But we have more to talk about killer clowns later on in the show. So stay tuned for that. Um but up next we're done with news. You know, there there's always Tons of news all the time That we'll always get to at some point Um, I guess before we get Into our next subject I just want to say that I guess starting next month In May on Hulu uh, Hulu got the rights to all the Nightmare on Elm Street Movies so they'll be able to stream On your Hulu all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies Which is really cool If you haven't seen those Get to it they do hold up Um, But our next Some Some of them Some of them oh I love all of them so much fun
1: even um, freddy's revenge
0: yeah like freddy's revenge absolutely <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that on the show at a later time i All have right. a lot to say about freddy's revenge but our next our next topic is our segment we call my bloody recommendations where each we're press and i each are going to pick out a different old school horror film that we want you to know about that you might have not seen or may have seen a long time ago that you should revisit and purchase and buy and watch and love. So Preston, what tell you have your first bloody recommendation for us?
1: Okay. Mine might be a little bit of a cheat just cause it's three movies packed into one, but I do want to focus primarily on one And it is the re-release of Troll 1 and Troll 2, which also comes with the documentary Best Worst Movie. And so it's being, it was released previously by Scream Factory uh, a couple years ago. And uh, they took it off the shelf and it's being re-released again for the 24th of April. But, yeah, so Best Worst Movie, I had never seen it before. And uh, it's a documentary about the making, not really necessarily making, but like a retrospective look of of the making of the film and just kind of going through that where the actors' careers are because nobody quite thought that Troll 2 would end up being one of the movies that is infamous for being the worst movie ever made. And... So it's just some for somebody like myself who goes to like Texas Frightmare is just like really into going to these horror conventions and having conversations with people about horror films, because I, this is the this is the main reason why I love horror movies is because they're so it's about the community. It's so great to be able to go to a horror movie and just have that kind of instant emotions and screaming and then laughing together. And they just having these fun kind of conversations after the film. And that's, what's great about these horror conventions. And so there's a pretty big segment in the film where they talk about like going to that and just being uh, like, this is where they are in their career. They all wanted to do this movie and, you know, make the next leap. To another milestone And it didn't quite pan out for them Because the movie was so bad And uh Have you ever seen this documentary?
0: Oh I have definitely seen this documentary And I have definitely seen Troll 1 and Troll 2 And even though Troll 2 Is called Troll 2 It features not a sequel Nor trolls (laughs) (laughs) Yep (laughs) It's It's super It's it's one of those documentaries that the documentary about making the movies actually better than the actual movie, any part of any of the movies. Yep. And if you're a filmmaker or love watching stuff like that, you're just like, oh wow, this got made, and people are really passionate about it, and this is how they did it. <laughs> and made a life from it. Um but I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because I think Troll 1 is actually decent enough. Uh-huh. And then Troll Two just it's a
1: nosedive.
0: Yeah, because you're. it's like, oh, we have this completely horrible, wasted movie, but nobody's going to watch it, so we're just going to give it the sequel title that has nothing to do with it. It's really yeah. weird.
1: It's really funny to watch the director who they bring in, like, halfway through the documentary of Troll 2, and he's <laughs> just going to these so they put, they put on these, like, uh, screenings in, like, basements. So they bring all these people together, and people flock from everywhere. They come from North Carolina. So they did, like, a screening in New York, and so people came from North Carolina, Ohio, just all these places. And just nobody expected that when the movie kind of just did not do anything, and it was terrible, that it just found new life through being a cult movie. And then the director would when they were put on one of these screenings, he was like going through the crowds as they were lined up to get inside. And he's like, you, you seen you see troll Two? You like it. And he's it's like, yeah, I love it. I love it. And so it, it's just, it's just so amazing to see like how time can just treat some of these movies that were not appreciated, or maybe they were a little too early for their time, or if they were just flat out terrible and they found a audience today that can, love and appreciate it because they are able to sit down and provide their own commentary and their own soundtrack because uh, it's it's not one of those movies that you just necessarily need to sit down and just pick apart and uh understand the mechanics of it. You can just sit there and make fun of it and laugh with it and laugh at it.
0: Yeah. It is it it's that it's that i think it's the overall when you watch it you know other people watch it or you watch it with a group of friends you just all have this unspoken like we know type of attitude (laughs) like this we love this movie even though it's terrible and um the documentary shows all that i love it Mm -hmm. i like it it's good so with this release are there uh extras and all this other stuff and everything is it worth the buy worth the purchase for everybody
1: I think it is. So, yeah, there's like there's making of troll with uh, the first film and then they have like their usual stuff, um, like uh, still galleries and theatrical trailers and things like that. But it's really fun to kind of just go into the, the audio commentaries and um, the making ofs and all these uh, interviews that they do, because it goes into more depth of how they came to make some of the. Terrible movies that they
0: did. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, cool. That's a that's a great uh, first, like a, a real the top bloody recommendation. Oh, I yeah. like it. Would you like to hear mine? Yeah, and I'm curious if you've seen this. Okay. All right. So, of course, this is from Scream Factory, um, the, or at least Scream Factory put this out. Finally. Um, so back in 1985. Mel Brooks, the Mel Brooks, you know, of Spaceballs and Blazing Saddles fame, produced a gothic horror film, actually, uh, that starred a future 007 agent and a future captain of the Starship Enterprise. Yes, I'm talking about Timothy Dalton and Patrick Stewart. Um, That film was called The Doctor and the Devils, and is based on real events from a 19th century uh, murder spree in England. I'm not talking about Jack the Ripper, but I'm talking about Burke and Hare, which I believe Simon Pegg and Nick Frost played like several years ago in a... Very not known film by John Landis, um, but they went on a killing spree uh, where they took their victims, their dead victims, and sold them to a doctor who would experiment on the cadavers uh, for f- future knowledge of science. Um, it's actually it's a really good film, <laughs> and do see uh, Timothy Dalton, T. Dalt and Patrick Stewart as these like kind of
1: murderers
0: (laughs) it's just really funny and you have mel brooks as a producer on the film who would have thought have you seen this preston
1: i have not but i'm looking at it and i just can't believe i've missed it all
0: right this might have to be the next one on your list uh it's super it's it's great i mean everybody does an excellent job of course in the film Uh, Julian Sands, isn't it? And if you remember Julian Sands, he'll probably be coming up in another podcast. You know, he's the warlock. Um, (laughs) So it's just, it's insane. It's crazy. It's hilarious. It's fun. It's horror. Um, But yeah, uh, Scream Factory put this out um, back in 2014. And uh, with a new uh, transfer and uh, audio mix, but they also came with new uh, interviews with Mel Brooks, uh, which is super cool. Uh, where they where he talks about making the movie. Because when you think of Mel Brooks, you just think of the uh, you just think of the funniness that he did. But he did this horror film, and <laughs> you just never know. But yes, my bloody recommendation: The Doctor and the Devil. Seek this out. You will love it. Especially since it features Timothy Dalton and Dr. or not Dr. Sir Patrick Stewart before they became really, really famous.
1: Oh man, I can't wait to watch that.
0: (laughs) And we'll get to talk about it when you watch it because I might have to watch it again because I don't think I've watched it since it came out uh, a few years ago. So we'll have to do that. But yes, The Doctor and the Devils. All right. Great, great fun film. Um but yes, those are my bloody recommendations for this first episode. Um but yeah, let's uh let's move on to a discussion about a new horror film that has been out that is that is really like changing the game, I think. Uh, and of course, I'm talking about a little movie called A Quiet Place, which is a brand new horror film that is being billed as horror movie Uh, for people who don't like horror movies. Um, And it is... uh, It stars... And it's it's directed by, and stars, John Krasinski, you know, Jim from The Office, and Emily Blunt. Um, So, I haven't seen this, but I've heard a lot of really good things about it. But I think Preston saw it, so I can't wait for him to talk to you guys about it. Preston, did you love it? Is it everything horror needs to be right now or is it less than, or is it just Jim from the office doing his regular facial expressions at the camera?
1: <laughs> um, I, so this is probably my favorite movie of the year so far. Whoa! Um, so there, I've seen this and hereditary and they're both kind of battling out, but I think in terms of you saying, but this is a horror movie, uh, not for people who are necessarily horror fans, because it's mostly about the family aspect. I think it's a very rare horror movie that has the ability to just make you cry. And this movie, especially as a new father, because the movie's primarily about the the concept of protecting your kids the the links that you go to to protect your kids that fear that anxiety and uh yeah being a new father I think about this all the time I think about am I raising my son in the right place am I introducing him to certain things at the right time in it might be in over overprotective. It's just like it's all a delicate balance and it taps into that and it just really wrecked me. But it's also super scary. Um. So, yeah, Jim from The Office. Uh, yeah, I just never, never thought that he would have it in him to make a movie quite like this because I've been... He hasn't really made a movie or a TV show since The Office that I can just really, that I've loved yet. Um, because all I can do is picture his face, those stares that you were just talking about, that he, you know, stares directly at the camera. And I just can't help but laugh. But here, you know, he's sporting a beard. He's looking good. And he just created this really well calculated horror film that's not super I mean, no pun intended, it's not very loud. Um and I mean that it's not it, it doesn't take a the Hollywood approach to making a film. It really just takes a lot of risks. The the main one being that there's not a lot of dialogue in the film. They have to be quiet because the whole concept is you make any noises at all, you're dead because these sound hungry monsters will kill you. And yeah, that's
0: uh, uh, that's what I get from it. Um, I, I'm curious. I'm curious though. Um, one of my writers saw it in Austin, and he had a point that he brought up that in a world where you can't make any sound that's happened for maybe, you know, over a year now. Why would somebody get pregnant and bring a loud screaming baby into the world with this function? Do they explain that at all or is that the case?
1: Uh it's not uh I mean, I thought about that when I saw the trailer, uh but when it when it happens and you're going through the motions, you kind of just get a feel for the parents and they're they're just trying to be ahead of the curve. They're all I mean, they, they have to live. They have to function. The the world still needs to grow, and if they're – they have to build to just take everything, and so that's what they do. They do have a child, but uh, they – to most of, like, anybody's surprise, like, they, they go through, like uh, – because as an audience member, you're, you're immediately challenging the film. You're trying to think, oh, well, did they think of this? Did they think of this? And they did. And they it, they show that uh, I don't want to spoil like how they're able to like once the baby's here like how they're able to keep him quiet. But the movie does a very good job of kind of being smarter than it has any right to be.
0: Okay, well that's that's really good to hear. So with the success of this, um, do you think uh, Krasinski is going to stay in the horror genre, or should he stay in the horror genre?
1: uh maybe not just the horror genre but just doing genre films i think the next one he's planning to do is i think it's called life on mars or something like that but he he's kind of taking these uh big christopher nolan type of films but bringing even more humanity can i say to them and so it just seems like he's you know coming from These, uh, you know, indie films that he's done before because I think uh, Quiet Place was his third uh, movie that he's directed. And so he's done like these indie films that I wasn't a big fan of, but you can he has a pretty good grasp on human emotion. And so I think that's what especially after this the success of this film and probably reading people's critiques and uh, their praises that he kind of knows to you need to stick with characters that people can care about. And I think that's what he can do going forward is just taking these big ideas, but also giving us characters that we can relate to and identify with. And so I'm, I'm all for him just doing whatever he wants now.
0: Very cool. Very cool. So you definitely recommend people get out there and see the quiet ones
1: quiet place
0: yes quiet place that's what I meant why quiet. am I saying quiet ones the quiet place quiet place um,
1: I'm
0: I, I'm definitely
1: you, I mean if I'm gonna pick up this even though you sold it pretty well to me the doctor and the devils um, you should be, you should go see this one it, it definitely go see it in the theater too and uh, don't buy any loud candy.
0: Because <laughs> it's a very, si- as you said, it's a very silent film. So it's a, probably, you know, not yeah, a whole no, lot of explosions it, or gunshots or screams, really.
1: Yeah, this this is probably awful to say, but it, I couldn't help but think of the episode of Family Guy where he's in the same area as Anne Frank eating potato chips. It's kind of <laughs> like that. Like, you just need to be quiet. <laughs>
0: Oh that's funny. Yeah, because there's going to be somebody awkward who cuz I know in some movies like I know you and I have seen, probably, you know, we usually see 300 movies or more in the theater every year and it seems like there's always somebody in the audience during a quiet moment that just is too shy or just too awkward to be silent so they have to make a noise somehow. And it, it's yeah. it, this one, the the quiet place or a quiet place. It's you need a um you just need to be quiet because that's effective.
1: bring your library voices man you you- do, you just don't realize like how much noise people make until you go see this movie,
0: <laughs> so you still recommended seeing a the theater and not waiting until at home
1: <laughs> yeah i yeah because i I just like the that instant gratification. I mean, cause there's some, the movie's intense. Like there are hardly any breathers whatsoever. So the audience is just gasping. Like me when, when I watched it, I was literally, and I never have these, th- these reactions are super rare, but I was just grabbing in my chest because of everything that was going on. It was just like Murphy's law. Anything that could go wrong will go wrong. And uh, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. And it, It just escalates, and I just was totally in tune, and, um, yeah, just watching the theater.
0: Okay. I will. I'll I'll do that, and I'll I'll report back. Um, But, yes, uh, The Quiet Place, Quiet Place. Go see it, Um, and be quiet during it. Mm Mm-hmm all right um, our next one, our next our next topic we 're going to try to do every week or maybe bi weekly but we in addition to like the horror movies there 's also a lot of really cool like horror music, um, especially in the soundtrack section so we 'll try to try to talk about a certain horror movie soundtrack each week of some sort, um, but this week, since we are doing kind of the killer clowns from outer space episode here. Why not talk about the killer clowns from outer space soundtrack? Cause there are two soundtracks for this movie or oddly enough, of course you have the score version by John Masari, which had like those really cool 80s synthesizers, electric guitars um, mm-hmm. that kind of mixed like a carnivalistic slash horror mood to it, which was kind of funny and scary at the same time. And then you had a band called the Dickies, which is like a 1970s punk rock band um, that had an EP album called Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which only one of the songs off their EP was featured on it. This was back in 1988, of course. So... I know you've watched the movie, but have you actually listened to the soundtrack to this, like the score or even like the uh, song by the Dickies, Preston?
1: I've listened to the song quite often after because they the error release that's coming out next week on April 24th, um, the menu itself has like a 30 seconds of it, and all the images, like the best images from the movie. And so I had never seen the movie before, and we'll get into what I think about it in a second. But I, um, the song just made me fall in love with uh, the movie already. And so I, I haven't listened to the score or the soundtrack outside of just that song um, than just watching the movie and watching some of the extras that kind of go into it.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a really cool song by the Dickies. and this song is called "Killer Clowns from Outer Space." And it kind of starts off you can you like hear like a really weird sounds of like a cl- evil clown. Then all of a sudden, it's like this guitar, this crazy guitar riff. It's like and it just plays over and over, and then it, like uh, they have like the keys come in, and it's like a really funny song. Uh, about an attack from Killer Clowns. Um, And it's just... It's so funny because the Dickies released this EP and the track one, side one, is Killer Clowns. um, And there's really nothing else about it uh, other than that song. Um, Which is really interesting, I think. Um, But the movie itself, or the, the soundtrack itself, the score... When you watch the movie, uh, it's just super creepy. Did you get that when you watched the movie as far as the sa- the soundtrack? Like, it just seemed like a really fun soundtrack. Creepy with, like, maybe, like, a circus type of theme to it.
1: Yeah, like, they could probably throw it in a, another movie and it would be even even more effective. Yeah. Or listening to it on its own, like, just driving around at night. I can... I can uh, imagine being pre spooked.
0: That is uh that is uh very true. And did you know that in nineteen eighty eight, uh when the Dickies wrote and performed the theme music from Killer Clowns from Outer Space, that was the debut of drummer Cliff Martinez?
1: I did not.
0: <laughs> that is very true. So I know one of your favorite things ever is Cliff Martinez and Drive.
1: Yeah. Little
0: did you know that it was related to killer clowns from outer space. No wonder you loved it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, uh that that is very true. So, um it's just it's just a really cool soundtrack. It's and
1: and, di- oh, and didn't oh. they didn't they write it before they even saw any footage?
0: Um, they might have. I believe so. Um, I think
1: I, I think I recall that from the extras. They said that they just got the script, but they hadn't seen any of the images yet, or maybe it was just even the title. I think they just did it from the title.
0: Yeah. So yeah, if, so that makes sense because their EP title, "Killer Cons from Outer Space," definitely. Um, so, on the, on the front cover, it's like really cool artwork uh, of clowns that don't, no, look nothing like the film, but on the back side of the artwork of the the record album has one of the actual clowns from the movie on it. Um, but, like I said, the soundtrack, the listing for the actual song soundtrack, all by the Dickies, that first song is just about the film. <laughs> Um, it's re- and it's lovely. It's so good. It's one of those cool songs that most people don't know about, but it's so much fun to sing. Like I listen to it not just at Halloween, but at all times of the year in the car. I love it. Yeah. Um, and- <laughs> um, unfortunately, the score to it has never been released on vinyl. Um, it's been released on CD, but there, I guess, uh, Varese Sarabana is going to re-release it on CD coming soon with all the new. Extras, the new, the new, the new additions to the score and the Dickies. I can't believe they're still alive, um, uh, because a lot of them have died. Uh, they are. They did a re, like a reboot of the song, so I haven't heard it yet, but I can't wait to hear it.
1: Um, so, so they're renaming their band Two Dicks. <laughs>
0: yes, Two Dicks. and <laughs> 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 Bartlett, ladies and gentlemen tip your waitress that was good <laughs> that was funny um but yeah that is uh that it's gonna be interesting to see what they do with it but alas hopefully we get a full record release on vinyl of the entire score and soundtrack which i've always wanted um however if you want to Purchase that Dicky soundtrack. You could most likely find it online on eBay or Discogs, or maybe a used record store for probably between fifteen and twenty-five bucks. It's not too expensive. Mm. Highly recommend it. But yes, yeah. that is the good soundtrack of the day, of the week, of the episode. But let's get on to the main event here, where we talk about you know our our bloody feature review to this. My bloody podcast with Preston Barta and myself, Brian Kluger. Which you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Go tell your friends, subscribe. Please, 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 please. But Preston, what is our feature review today?
1: It is Killer Clowns from Outer Space.
0: Hooray! I'm so excited. I love this movie so much. So I... I, I'm going to let Preston get into this. But I want to tell you that... Killer Clowns from Outer Space was one of those movies growing up that I watched consistently when there was only, like, one channel of HBO on TV. Um, they show—HBO showed this movie consistently, and I loved it, and I watched it at a young age, you know, because I was—I I think I was seven years old when this came out, and I loved every bit of it. And then I had it on VHS, I had it on DVD, I've had the Blu-ray releases, um, but— I've always held this movie in high regard because I just loved it growing up. And it just, it never really scared me too much. Like the, the sights of the clowns, yes, but it's kind of a silly film. But Preston, I think you, did you see this young or did you see this recently?
1: Um, So I believe I saw it when I was young during the that phase I was talking about earlier of recording uh, videos on VHS, but I d- so I pretty much walked into this blind, like I just don't remember a thing. And so I watched it with a fresh perspective.
0: And with your fresh perspective, was it everything you hoped for?
1: It was not.
0: What? What? <laughs> <laughs> you're kidding me, and you're killing me at the same time.
1: Yeah, I really hope I don't crush your, your love for this movie. But uh, I didn't hate it. I just, um, for me, when I like a, a, a silly movie, I really want it to just kind of go all the way. And um, this is very much one of those movies that I was kind of talking about earlier where you add your own soundtrack. So it's all about like watching it with, Uh, like your best drinking buddies and just being able to just laugh and enjoy it and make fun of it. And that would heighten your uh, appreciation and maybe love for the movie. But I did not have that. I I watched it, well, actually my wife watched it with me and we both well, we kind of enjoyed just being like, I can't believe that uh, there's just like nothing going on here. Um, To the It doesn't go where we want it to go. Like, so there's like moments where it's ridiculous and they shoot, uh, like confetti guns. And I want the human characters in the film to kind of comment on that and be like, did you just see that green shit that it just shot out? Like, I, I I want that. I want them to kind of, I want like a meta humor level to be brought to the movie and they play it pretty, pretty straight and it's uh, commendable, but uh, it doesn't make me enjoy watching it more than I could have if it had poked a little fun and more fun at itself.
0: Okay. All right. Um, I'm just going to say that I think it I'm going to have to disagree to agree or agree to disagree here with you. Uh, I don't know. Is, I think everything I loved about this movie, I think it pokes fun of itself. I think it's just... So I actually, so the the people who made this, the director was Stephen Kyoto, but his brothers, Charles and Edward, also made it with him. And I talked with them... Oh, man, when was this? Back in, like, 2012, about Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And they said that... Um, they all had a similar vision for the film when they all, all the brothers worked together. And that Killer Clowns was basically a funny idea they had that morphed into an homage and throwback to old 1950s horror and sci fi films. Which, if you, when you watch it, you kind of get like that sense of the blob type esque 50s era of movie making. And they were all, all these brothers were involved in the stop motion industry. And everything. I just think that it's just kind of cool that they kind of had this like really weird idea about killer clowns that morphed into this huge, like kind of cult status. Mm-hmm. Would you agree to that?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I like that the movie is called Killer Clowns from Outer Space, and within the first five minutes, they arrive on Earth, and it, you're with them, you're with the clowns the entire time. And so that brings a charm to the movie that it's not just bringing a Jaws level to the film where you know the shark's on the cover, but and I Jaws is probably my favorite horror movie of all time, and but you don't get to see the shark because it's a different type of horror movie. It's a, a movie trying to legitimately scare you, and this one has a lot of aesthetics that are scary but in like the soundtrack and the makeup of the clowns, like if I had watched this when I was a kid, I probably would have been freaked out. But uh, now that I've watched some of the scariest movies that are known to humankind, I've, I feel like kind of going into this, I, I just came to it a little too late. And, um, so that's, that's, that's where we are. And, I got to ask you a question. So you have the human characters. So you have the main guy named Mike Tobacco, which is a very great name.
0: <laughs> yes, Grant <laughs> Kramer, that actor. Yeah. <laughs> and,
1: and and then you have Debbie played by Suzanne Snyder. And then you have John Allen Nelson that plays Dave Hansen, who is the this kind of cop of the town. And they... So is... Suzanne Snyder's character, is she in love with Grant Kramer's character or is she in love with John Allen Nelson's? Like there's just like even my wife when we're watching it, like the John Allen Nelson's character is the cop. He's he gets kissed on the head or she he kisses uh, Suzanne Snyder's character on the head but yes yeah, she 's been with grant kramer 's character the entire time, so i 'm just really confused as to their like what their relationship is
0: okay, so I can answer that for you, um, which is uh pretty pretty fun uh, but uh, in the film yes there there is chemistry between all three of these people so Debbie and Mike uh you know those two characters two main characters um they're together they're they're, they're like dating because they're mm-hmm. kind of young uh, and in college whereas the police officer Captain Dave um which is just so funny Captain Dave um he once had a relationship with Debbie that ended, however he still likes her and looks out after her so when he meets when he meets Mike Tobacco, he's not too thrilled but Mike and Dave end up becoming friends for sure <laughs> through Debbie, but it's not really clear in the film like this progression. You just kind of know that like, oh, man, Debbie's just kind of sleeping around or whatever. It's just really funny um it is uh it, that that's the answer to that did that answer your question
1: yeah so it's problematic
0: <laughs> yes very problematic but I guess in the scheme of things, you have kind of like this love triangle and hatred, but they come together because killer clowns. I don't know. It's kind of funny. And then you have to mention the amazing, the fantastic, the legendary actor, John Vernon. Vernon. Vernon plays Curtis yeah. Mooney, who, of course, is President Dean Vermer in Animal House point zero who basically plays the same character in killer clowns. <laughs> it's so it, yeah. great.
1: Yeah, I always enjoy these kind of movies like even Joe Dante does it where the the movie's kind of begin with this like like you you said earlier like this kind of 50s style like the, so you have the theme song in the beginning and then you're getting shots of the town and um and then you you always have like that older character that's, you know, so high minded and like these kids today, they just don't understand. And so, uh, and so we identify with, of course the younger people, but even then they're, they just don't. So I guess this is the overall problem that I have with the movie is that none of the, none of the human characters felt human to me. And the whole movie just feels like it could have been way more violent I wanted it to be bloody and gory, and <laughs> it's, it's a PG-13 movie, but, man, when it's killer clowns, I want them to kill and murder, like, Jack Frost style.
0: So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, the film's original title was Killer Clowns, but they added From Outer Space to prevent that thinking of assuming it was a slasher movie. Um... And I get it. I think that's what makes it work because it could have been like killer clowns, bloody, the same stuff we've seen in every other movie. But I'm glad it was like this. Like they had popcorn guns <laughs> that shot popcorn,
1: <laughs> these clowns, which and, I ha- – oh, go ahead. It, it can have that, but what if like they shot popcorn guns and it like uh, – like they have that one great scene toward the end of the film where they melt somebody and it could have been more of that earlier. Because, like, the first thing that dies in this movie is a dog, which is a, a no-no in my book.
0: <laughs> Pooh Bear? thats The dog's name was Pooh Bear?
1: Yeah. Like, he, in that guy, like, he was just, like, just the most curious cat around that just was like, What's going on over there? Let's go see what's going on. And... <laughs>
0: Played by the okay. famous Royal Dano, um, Farmer Gene Green. <laughs> he just he's he's just a a lonely farmer who's like, oh, the circus comes to town. Come on, Pooh Bear. And then, of course, killer clowns happen.
1: <laughs> yeah. See, it, we we can have a lot of fun talking about it, and then it makes me appreciate and love the movie more. But I can still say that it's a very problematic movie. Oh, it it for sure
0: is. Um, a little, little, some fun tidbits about the film. Uh, the most expensive thing on the movie was actually the popcorn gun, which included an actual compressor that would allow the weapon to actually propel popcorn. It took six weeks to build and cost $7,000.
1: <laughs> Good Lord. When well,
0: you see that, you're like, that cost $7,000 and six weeks to make? What? <clears throat> Super funny. Um... Also, if you've seen the film, I'm assumed everybody's seen this film, but we we all know how the movie ends. However, in the original ending of the film, uh, when everybody blows up the killer clown spaceship, uh, Captain Dave actually dies in the explosion. <laughs> but it didn't test well, so they brought him back
1: <laughs> for yeah. no
0: reason whatsoever. Like it's like it doesn't make sense. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I've noticed that throughout a lot of the horror movies that I've watched recently, uh, uh, Leatherface, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, that being a big one that kind of does something very similar where it sets up characters who, you know, I'm okay with them dying. They should die. And it probably would uh, make things a little bit better. Um, But I guess if it didn't test well, then it didn't test well. But... Um, what do audiences know today?
0: No, yeah, I totally agree. I, I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you there. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely interesting to see. Um, another few things.
1: And the two guys, the two ice cream trucks. Oh yeah, the two ice cream trucks. They managed to survive in that thing too.
0: Yeah. And it was just, oh, from that movie, thank you for smoking. Like just add a line of dialogue. And their line of dialogue was, oh, we just hit the ice cream truck. (laughs) I was like,
1: didn't explode. Oh, yeah, I saw you die. I'm pretty
0: sure I saw you die. <laughs> oh, no, we don't. They, they, the ice cream truck blew up, but they hid in the ice cream freezer inside the truck.
1: Oh, which... so they pulled the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull.
0: Yes, they did. Well, probably Kingdom of the Crystal Skull got that idea from Killer Clowns. Maybe. Which is too funny. Um, another really funny thing... Uh, Some of the masks that were used for the clowns in Killer Clowns from Outer Space were taken and redone uh, and used in the film, Ernest Scared Stupid, as the trolls. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fantastic when you think about it. So the trolls in Ernest Scared Stupid were actually Killer Clown masks from a few years prior.
1: I wish Scream Factory would just do the Ernest movies.
0: <laughs> I do too. Well, we're going to have Ernest Scared Stupid show soon. <laughs> Please. And then, um, when, I, you know, back in 2012, when I was talking to the Kyoto brothers in an interview, um, and they've stated this, they've been trying to get another sequel to Killer Clowns, um, which they dubbed basically Return of the Killer Clowns from Outer Space in 3D. But it's mm. been in you know it's just been on the holding shelf nothing's getting done so they're trying to do a television series but it's all rumor nothing's greenlit. nothing's happening yet do we want a sequel do we want a series like i think so yes in the vein of ash versus evil dead yes i want more killer clowns because it's amazing and i don't want the cg i want these authentic costumes
1: yeah, I I mean I, I like Ash versus Evil Dead, and I like uh, I even like the new Evil Dead. Um, I would love to see because I'm here picking apart how silly this movie is, and it's obviously silly. But I would love to kind of see like how thirty years has kind of shaped their way of crafting this kind of storyline into today's climate i would just love to kind of see like what that would look like what they would do how aesthetically would it be different like since you know we we talk we're talking about the the soundtrack having that 80s feel and that um which i guess is kind of making a comeback today with a lot of the horror movies but yeah i'd be fascinated to see where they would go whether it's on another feature film or if it's a television series
0: Okay, before we end our first episode, what is your favorite scene from Killer Clowns from Outer Space?
1: My favorite scene is right after Debbie gets out of the shower because she decides to take a shower during this, you know, crazy, horrific Killer Clowns that are around. She decides that's a good idea. And um, we as an audience know that the Killer Clowns are right outside her house. And then they come up through the pipeline and popping out of the toilet and everything. And she's scared. She's trying to find a way to get out of the house. And she's about to do uh, the cliche of jumping from the second story window. And then there are four clowns down there holding a trampoline, just waving at her. And that, that moment made me crack up. That's what I wanted. I wanted more of that kind of humor throughout.
0: Yeah, it's pretty great. That's a great scene. Great great scene. I love that whole little aspect there. Oh, so good. Um interestingly enough in that scene where the the one of the killer clown puppets come out as the come out of the toilet, um mm-hmm. in certain aspect ratios you can actually see the actual arm doing the puppet. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really funny. Um My favorite scene, for some reason, which I always loved, is when the, like, looks like the kid of the killer clowns. Like, there's, like, this really short little kid-looking killer clown. He shows up in front of a bunch of bikers, Um, like, this this biker gang, and this one biker guy, I mean, this one biker guy is just a complete jerk, and it seems like the killer clown, this little kid killer clown, just wants to hang out, and this guy just wrecks his bike like this this biker just wrecks this killer clown kid's bike and then they get into a boxing match where the little killer clown knocks this guy's head off into the trash can literally might be the bloodiest part of the movie um but i always love that because the guy says what are you gonna do knock my block off and he sounds just like that um uh, i just i don't know there's just there's just I've always that scene stuck out with me um, along with uh, the line I think uh, from Debbie where she's like where she's trying to explain what happened it was a spaceship and there were these things these, these killer clowns and they shot popcorn at us we barely got away and just that that line of dialogue just kills me every time because they and shot it, popcorn at us
1: <laughs> it It was funny uh, because when I was watching it, I was watching it from beginning to end. But my wife would pop in every now and then, and she popped. I think she missed the first twenty minutes of it. And when she came in, they the characters explain the what's going on like five times throughout the movie because they have to tell somebody new. Like, they tell the ice cream guys, like, what's going on. They're like, oh, these killer clowns is here. And then they're going to tell the police officers. And, it like, you will not – this is a movie that you – I call it laundry folding type of, type of movie where you can just kind of sit down, don't really necessarily have to pay attention too closely. <laughs> True. And, and, and can just enjoy it. But you should at least watch it all the way through at least once and then invite a bunch of people over and watch it again
0: there you go that is that is exactly right it is so it's a it's a fun movie and we hope there's more of it but i think that's our first episode of my bloody podcast we hope you join us for the next episode next week we'll talk about more horror movies and news and blu-rays and our recommendations but preston you want people to find you if so where can they find you
1: You could always find me on Twitter, at Preston Barta, or you can find my weekly home video column on Ditton Record Chronicle, which is dittonrc.com, or on freshfiction.tv, where we're covering everything fresh and entertainment, keeping you fresh on everything in entertainment.
0: Yes, and and Miss Gwen Reyes is part of Fresh Fiction, right?
1: yes she is she is the proprietor
0: there you go and our listeners know who gwen reyes is um she's been on the podcast before once or twice so they're all good peeps and great outlets do it uh, with this podcast you can find it on boomstick comics you can find it on itunes and stitcher radio who knows it might end up on fresh fiction who knows we'll cross yeah. our fingers Um, but yeah, subscribe to us, type in, you know, my bloody podcast or boomstick comics or Preston Barta or my name, Brian Kluger. And you'll find us on iTunes and Stitcher radio, but we are my bloody podcast and we will be back next week. And thank you always to the amazing, lovable, beautiful Preston Barta.
1: Um, Thank you. I
0: appreciate that. (laughs) I'll see you next time. All right. Bye.